0: Welcome to episode 21 now, 21, that was our original target, uh, there's a fact that was floating around when we started and it's 99% of people give up before 21 episodes, so if you make it to 21 episodes there's only 1% of the global podcast you know, creators really, that are yeah. left, so 21 was our original target to, as like a oh, minimum, if we, if we got special. to that point. If we got to, <laughs> we should have done like a celebratory thing or sent yeah. a, a drink, a drink at least. But uh, maybe <laughs> next time. Um, but no. So in this episode, we're going to be looking at something very, very topical. I think something that's going to be particularly useful given the current climate, um, and that's going to be looking at building the perfect resume. Uh, in the midst of all of these um, layoffs so for anyone who has been affected by the layoffs hopefully this will be um, pertinent and for those that haven't if you're looking for a new job anyway or looking to you know to progress this is going to be very very useful for you as well but i will uh just let my a guest uh introduce themselves um so i will hand over to gareth
1: thank you very much yeah congrats on number 21 um So my name is Gareth Webb. I'm the founder and CEO of OutScout. We're a technology talent matching business, um, based out of Austin, Texas. Um, we work with all kinds of technology companies, um, hardware, software, internet, um, marketplace. Um, we cover the entire U S market and actually quite a bit into Europe as well at the moment. So Israel, UK, uh, mainland Europe, um, largely companies based here in the US, uh, venture backed, private equity backed, and some public um, enterprise entities. Um, and we really focus on really what their most important hires are. So we are not a search firm, like we we, do, we leave the C-suite alone. Um, we focus on hiring what we categorize <clears throat> um, as critical hires. So it could be that you know, you need a software engineer or one account executive, or you need to build a team, um, or you're just constantly hiring throughout the year at that mid to senior level. So uh, senior individual contributors, managers, directors, VPs, uh, we target what we categorize as like the strongest part of the market, um, the most in demand, attractive uh, professionals. And there's, there's quite a lot of nuances to that. But yeah, we we work with a lot of companies that are making hires where they just can't go to market and get the hires coming in. Um, but we also do have two way matching. So we do, we are always targeting the best technology talent to come to our platform, sign up, be approved. And then we look to sort of make sure that they're filtered through to the right right opportunities. So yeah, very, very much embedded in the venture private equity space, very much embedded in the technology landscape, um, from seed stage through to public, Technology, uh, like large global companies, uh,
0: which I guess uh, sort of perfectly places you, um, or perfectly positions you for the the current, I guess, conversation or current market conditions. So, do you, do you want to just maybe to follow up on that? Just sort of give us a bit of a rundown of the current market conditions. I know, like everyone will have seen Google layoffs, Facebook layoffs, 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 layoffs. But do you want to just give us a bit of a rundown of the current market conditions?
1: Yeah, um, it's honestly wild, um, which is a very US term that I've picked up, but that is what it is. And it's been that way since March of 2020, right? So coming up three years, like the the market's just been uh, yo-yoing all over the place. But let's take the last 12 months. So, um, you yeah, know, we had this sort of insane environment of 2021 and then... March, April, 2022 was when it all started to unravel. Um, stock markets corrected from massively overinflated uh, valuations. Uh, interest rates were not like incrementally increased. So thanks to all the central banks and for doing that, but just hiking them drastically, um, a terrible time. So this is, and then obviously Russia. Uh, so like the whole thing has meant that um, you then had Sequoia, like. Produce that email to their founders and their portfolio companies, saying basically like band down the hatches. Let's get conservative. This is going to be it's going to be grim. And then lots followed. So there's been this domino effect of bad news, uh, bad sh- or structural changes to the financial macroeconomic environment. Um, and so what we what you then started having was layoffs last year. So they started in April May in the US. I think it sort of takes a while to ripple through the market and then hit Europe, but I think they started rippling through and, and hitting Europe in sort of summer, autumn time, winter last year. So I think Q four was brutal, right, for everybody. Um so yeah, you've just seen this um strange set of conditions where financially everyone's feeling it anyway. Then there's the kind of like contagion of fear around the availability and the cost of capital therefore there's layoffs um, and it's all basically built on five plus five to ten years prior of just easy fundraising and businesses growing to grow not growing to build a return necessarily so um, yeah and then I would say look in the last three months it's it's kind of continued there's been more layoffs companies that did their layoffs did more layoffs um, funding's taking longer to happen Um, but amongst all of that, um, all of that nasty backdrop is, is actually some very positive stuff still going on. So like, uh, we had the most live new positions built into our platform last week, probably for six months. Um, companies are hiring, uh, funding is happening. Everything is just less hyped and it's just a bit, it's a lot quieter. So companies are hiring. Even some of the companies that are making layoffs are hiring still. Or replacements or other areas. It just, you know, they've made cuts where they feel they've needed to make cuts and, and save money. Um, but hiring is happening very selectively. It's happening slow, more slowly, more thoughtfully, which I don't really have a problem with. Um, and people are truly dialing in on value and quality of the hires they're making, rather than just hiring for hiring's sake. So hiring for hiring's sake is gone. The market is such that um, there's plenty of hiring going on. It's just, uh, and that's why we're talking today, right? It's you have to show that you're very, very good and you are worth every ounce of your compensation um, to get hired into a very good opportunity.
0: I was going to just pick up on a point. I think we we previously had a discussion. I think the phrase you had used, um, or the phrase you chose was that a lot of these legacy companies or just companies in general have got fat. They got lazy and they got fat in the sense that they, perhaps there was overinflation in certain departments, like you mentioned, and essentially they're going through this phase of realizing that perhaps business could be a lot more streamlined, a lot more efficient. There are tools out there that are going to help them be more efficient, which means they're trimming some of the fat, which is like you said, you get that that instance of layoffs but they're also hiring because they're re-optimizing their their current headcount mm-hmm.
1: yeah um there, there's some brutal like truths to all of this um yeah fat bloated inefficient uh you know gr- what growth means nothing unless it revenue follows it um you yeah, know and ultimately business owners or shareholders want visibility on a return and then You know liquidity is key cash is key so um yeah everyone has it's all hands on deck it's you know one of the terms we've seen over here that we quite like and we've used is like a return to rigor it's like okay if we're gonna hire is everybody already in the business doing their job particularly well and maxed out like i don't think that's the case i think the world got pretty soft after covid and you know uh well-being is important but like you could only have well-being if the house is in order um, and, you know, I think people sort of were too soft about what work really meant and what performance really meant. Um, so there's some good things coming out of this without doubt, if you're, if you've got the stomach for it. Um, and so, yeah, it's a return to rigor. It's a trimming. It's a, like, is this higher make going to make an impact? Is everybody else in the business l- like truly maxed out? Like, do we need to add more bodies and another line onto the PL? Um, And if we don't, let's not do
0: that. Okay, so to sort of follow up on that, you mentioned that there are still plenty of opportunities to be had. And I think in the last recession, you know, big financial crisis, 2008, whatever, the companies like Uber, Airbnb were sort of formed. So there are still plenty of good opportunities out there. But obviously, a market that's potentially being flooded by certain types of role, let's hypothetically just, just say sales, Uh, marketing that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. there is perhaps more emphasis or at least more focus that's going to need to be given to building your resume you know crafting your cv in order to increase the odds of success in terms of finding a new role given that you're up against hundreds thousands of people for every single role so yeah you also mentioned something to me yesterday about this hidden hidden truth or misnomer about people avoiding hiring those that have recently been laid off so do you want to just touch on that like is it true
1: uh yeah it's 100 percent true um i hate to say it like i don't agree with it um it's changing because the first wave of layoffs was 2020 with covid and that was just like for some companies there's a good excuse to get rid of people non-performers or change the shape of the organization or you know there was like the furloughing in the UK, layoffs in the US, rehiring very quickly. Um, so <clears throat> we tried to say to people, Look, take it on a case by case, look at the person, what did they do before their current company, how long were they at the company? You know, there's lots of reasons why layoffs happen in the last year. I think everybody's got knows there's absolutely great talent, unfortunately, has been caught up in layoffs. So, I'm not. Not, we're not for a minute saying that this is like everybody, but there's a lot of companies that obviously don't advertise this fact, don't talk about it, but they don't want to see inbound candidates who've been laid off for certain positions. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why, like career risk, credibility risk, um, you know, internal reputation. When when someone makes a hire, they always want to sort of showcase the hire, don't they? Like, there's a lot of that, hey, look, this is the new person we got, and everybody's like, oh, wow, they're great. Um, And I think it's very, very tough on the individuals and the way it's been carried out over here in the US and probably in Europe as well is pretty terrible at times, just like switching people off. And, you know, so that's that whole thing, which can't make people feel very good. But people are realizing that, you know, you have to look at the, the individual, not the circumstance they've been caught up in, what did they do before? Um, what are they capable of doing? Like, where are they at in their career trajectory? So w- there is a lot of education on our side to say, yes, they've been laid off. This is why, you know, they're at this company before these are the achievements that, that they, they've, um, been responsible for. Um, and I think everyone's sort of softening on that. I'm not saying it's gone. Like a lot of companies still, um, would really prefer not to hire, um, mid to senior, like senior, more senior impact hires, uh, unless they are plucked out of another job and doing very, very well. That's still kind of like a lot a lot of the mindset here. So it can be negated. Uh, you've just got to be prepared. I think as a candidate, you've got to be really prepared to like have your story and your, um, you know, what your sell polished and ready.
0: Yeah, I, I guess um, a nice, or well, not nice, not a very nice metaphor for it is um got me thinking about crash damaged cars right no one wants to buy a crash damaged car and i think it's perhaps mentally people think right you were laid off you were obviously laid off for a reason that's just that's your immediate thought process perhaps wrongly so like you said so it's it's how you like you said how you can better position yourself better sell yourself better market yourself um to to ensure that any of your potential you know employers understand that you know, it was out of your control essentially, uh, and it's yeah, market conditions.
1: Yeah. And I think like it, it can happen at the smaller end. So we've got somebody on our, with one of our clients interview at the moment, he was brought in as an SVP of like growth. So marketing and sales prior to that, he was at bigger companies selling millions of dollars worth of software, went to this startup on the promise of funding, maybe the question there might be like, okay, did you join a little too soon? We'll never really know. Um, you know it's always the temptation is the sooner you get into a business the better you do in terms of your equity or the return you may get and they didn't get the funding it didn't come through and then they just couldn't keep him um so you know you look at the pattern the pattern recognition that has to go on prior to that moment was he's a very 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 capable credible successful sales person so you know we're looking at patterns and that's really what people are doing right is when they're interviewing you there's patterns of signals of yeah buying signal buying signal buying signal versus red flag red flag red flag that's always what's happening when you're being assessed or interviewed which that's what's happening um and that's why everyone hates interviewing because you know you're being assessed and you know you're commoditized um so if you if you can reduce and overcome red flags um and then supply positive signals in abundance and with credibility um that's when people buy right like that's when people do do anything in life so um that's all selling is that's what interviewing is you're selling yourself in you're going through a buying journey and people have to know yeah yes okay they were laid off but look what happened to that company here's the here's the link here's the evidence here's the post from the ceo like there's lots of things you can get now to sort of back things up um but then the flip side is you have to say, right, and here's all the great things I've done. Here's customer references, here's employer references, here's peer references, investor references, whatever references um, that is just like a stack of good stuff versus, yeah, look, here, this happened, it was shitty. Um, I'm not gonna sit there and lick my wounds, I'm getting on with it. And I think that's the other thing it's the tone and like the attitude is what people buy. So if you're there like feeling sorry for yourself and it's evident in your body language and your tone of voice, uh you know that's what people don't want to bring in right they don't want bringing in negativity so you have to be you have to have a look in the mirror like dust yourself off like all the kind of sports cliches and just move on like there's nothing good about dwelling on past happenings
0: on the topic of not dwelling on those part of the the past then in looking forward let's let's move on to the portion of talking about building crafting perfect resume um and basically increases your Increase your chances of success, uh, winning. So, I think we're going to break this down into five sort of key areas. Um, the First, um, that you guys, as part of your vetting, you know, every single day you look for, uh, is non-jumpy. So, do you want to just cover everything that sort of goes through your head when you're vetting in terms of non-jumpy?
1: Yeah, and um, you know, startup land in Silicon Valley over the last ten years is like if you did two to three years per job, you people don't have an issue with that, right? It's like, you could have done very well out of that. Like, vesting your stock options, move to the next big thing, like collect all this equity in various startups, like definitely some strategy there for folks. But, but really, um, you know, if if it's like you got sub two year moves continuously, it's not that people, it's nothing other than what can you actually achieve in a short period of time, the answer is not much really, like, especially if you're in sales, let's take sales as a function. Um, It takes, we we, we interviewed a chief product officer, one of our customers recently, and he was like, look, it takes you a year to bed in and understand product customers culture. And really it takes one to two years of day-to-day work to become valuable um, to an organization, just knowing it, the customers knowing you, building up traction. But if we take sales, a year of getting in and building up pipeline, you're not necessary. I mean, for enterprise sales or bigger ticket sales, you're not closing a whole lot in your first six months, realistically. But you should be closing quite a lot in your second six months. Second year is when you should be going like gangbusters, um, and third year even more so. So, you know the whole. I don't know who first said the quote, but like everybody underestimates what they can. Everybody overestimates what they can do in a year and they underestimate what they can do in 10 years. Like that's just compounded interest of time. Um, I've noticed that from being here for four and a half years and being in different jobs within my own business. And like time is the thing that like everyone has. And so how you use the time, what you do in the time is a big validator in terms of your decision-making process and how successful you can be. Nearly everybody that's very, very successful has done the same thing for years and years and years and years, right? Like the 10,000 hour thing or whatever. Um, but but the non-jumpiness is really a measure of grit. So grit is about enduring. It, grit's not like, oh, I'm really tough. Grit is like, can you stay at something for a long period of time through highs and lows and good markets and bad markets? So our customers who are doing hard things, building complex products, selling complex products in choppy waters, want to know that that person is resilient and consistent and can like, um, outweather the or outlast tough conditions. Um, and so we do look for people with like, I'd say if you've got a three to five year stint in the last five years, you're considered very robust, right? Like, and if you've got three years and three years, very robust, two years, two years, two years, it starts to get a little bit like for sales specifically, I'm saying here, like, okay, do you know what you want to do? And can you be really great at it? Like you can get a sales job and do two years, but can you be great at sales? I'd argue you need to do a three to five year stint somewhere to really maximize that opportunity, whether it's as an individual contributor or whether you end up leading a team, building a team, running a business, owning a p Like they're all things that once you get to exec level or director level, like if you can't show that you can run a business or a P or like lead and endure, like you're not you're not going to be considered for the top opportunities, which obviously pay the most and are potentially the most lucrative. So you have to give evidence of grit and stamina um, so that you can become as valuable as you potentially should be, like fulfil your potential. Uh, I'd say so. Yeah, that that's what we mean by non-Jumpy, and, and that's why. And, what and I mean.
0: if if people think, okay, right, I fall into that bucket of sub three years, let's say, maybe in the past couple of roles or within that five-year period, I think you said, if you've got um, sub three years in the last five years with two roles, what can they do to try and counter that? What can, what can, how can they position it? What can they say? What can they look to deep dive? Like What can they yeah. bring to the table to say, no, I am resilient. It's just that this happened. Yeah, um,
1: I, I I've been there, so I get it. Um, I think um, you have to acknowledge it and be like, right, okay, do I ha- do I have one to two year moves for the last five years? It's damaging your kind of brand equity, your personal brand, your reputation, your resume, right? So um, can you? If the the job you're in now isn't optimal, perfect, you don't love it, but it's okay, can you change it? Like by staying where you are, can you change your spec? Can you take on more responsibility? Can you own something else? Can you help to take something off the plate of your boss or the founder or the exec team? Do something that makes it either just more bearable to stick around for another year or two. Um, Yeah, there is the argument like life's too short. If you can't do that, fine, but um, if you can, then do that, like go and figure out a way to make life more enjoyable. Um, you know, I'm sure that all, there's all companies out there that would like more social proof and more engagement with community, like go and build community, go and interview customers, go and set up a TikTok um, site, whatever, like do something that's like attached to your, linked to your job that would make your day job more varied, but makes you bit like, allows you to envision being there for longer if you can't bear it there then really think like the next role like do i need to minimize some of the variance? like should i go to a bigger company where potentially like i am um feeling more stable and there's more lateral opportunities to move into different functions or different teams so mobility is one thing so you can create mobility like i just said before like doing something else that's like attached to your job or you can get actual mobility in terms of like a shift in team or function in your career but allows you to stay somewhere for like three, four, five years. So I think it comes back down to a little bit of like, we haven't already talked about this, but it's a, it's a big thing that nobody really does. And I think people should be taught about this when they're younger is like visualizing actually your career out, uh, like the track of your career and, um, you know, putting pen to paper, setting goals, thinking about where, where what do I want to get out of the next 12, 24, 36 months and five years, like committing that goal uh visualizing it committing to paper and then reverse engineering like the action points never ever hardly ever speak to people that do that Uh, i was gonna
0: say that's interesting because one of the interview questions i always ask is i I always say right this might sound cliche but what do you want to achieve in the next two five ten years yeah and if they can't if they can't answer it it's almost like well Why don't you know what you want to be? Where you want to be in ten years? It might not, maybe not the exact role, but I sort of said to myself, by the time I'm thirty, I want to be in senior management in marketing. So I knew, I knew that that I had to do something in order to get there. So that's yeah, I 100% understand. Yeah, that that's massively valuable. Yeah, and people
1: just either don't know how to do it; they've never been taught how to do it, or they're not particularly visual. Like a lot, a lot of people are not very visual beings. Right? They're all becoming more visual because we use apps and you know video is a lot more kind of part of what we do, but like, it's just like, whether you call it journaling or you build out a spreadsheet is just, if you don't have, especially as a salesperson, if you don't have a quarter plan or a yearly plan, like that's bad because like, how are you gonna hit your number? Um, And if you don't have like a two, three, five, I I think some people can't look at 10 years. I, I definitely do. Like I've got a plan now for me for five years time um and then i've got benchmarks and goals every sort of six to 12 months in between there and i'm like right okay what do i need to do because that all basically spurs you into into action so i think um yeah if someone can't answer that question it's a very good interview question like where do you want to be in two years five years if you join us things go well like what does that mean for you um i bet nine out of ten can't answer that question very well
0: yeah so that's an interesting one i think that like you said it's i think some people are, are afraid of uh it's almost like they, they see it as Everest, right? They see it as too big of a mountain for me to climb. I just want to focus on the next year. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have that longer term vision, then you're going to constantly be focusing on the, the little years, and it's not necessarily going to add up to very much because you've got no strategy behind your career path.
1: And without doubt, like it, it you know, gives you so this, you know, the strategy piece, which then drives the tactics or the execution and you know, it might be like, right, to get there, I actually haven't got all the skills. So I need to go and upskill. I need to read about this. I need a mentor. Um, I don't have the endurance to get there. It could be as simple as that. And it's like, well, I need to use my time better. And then what, how do I structure my day? Um, so yeah, I think in, if you're interviewing, going back to interviewing, if you're interviewing and, you know, you can't tell the story and you can't relay your goals again like that's a really good thing when when i'm interviewing people they're like look i've got this ambition and these goals i want to do these things to get there i need i need to do this and here's why i will be working my ass off to do this um you know that if it all if it all ties together that's kind of what you want to hear when you're interviewing somebody that the story makes sense the motivations align the actions back up the story um and you know you can read that in a resume or a linkedin profile um, and then you can hold people accountable as well. Like when you're hiring somebody and you're bringing in them in, you can say, look, you said all these things This is what you said you wanted to do. We're going to hold, I want to hold you accountable to that and help you. Um, and I think it's just, you know, I think some people deem it as like, oh, I'm private. So I don't want to share my goals, but everybody I know who's very successful is very goal oriented and they actually do share their goals. Like they don't brag about stuff, but they definitely say, oh, Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do this cause I want to get to here. Um, And that goes for like a lot of my very good friends and customers and founders. I know like everybody's very goal oriented and playing the sort of medium to long-term.
0: 100%. Okay. So that's number one, the non-jumpy, the grit, the durability, uh, that sort of long-term strategy. Number two, evidence of promotion or evidence of success.
1: Yeah. Uh, It's a real hard one this because promotions are great because you can just list them. And if you've been promoted to a team leader or a manager, okay, who did your team lead? Who did you manage? What did you manage? Um, Say why you got that promotion. Like that's, you know, again, linking the story through with data points. Like I let's just take sales again. Say uh, I joined Selligence as a BDR or an SDR, booked the most meetings in my first year, wanted to own a quota, became an AE for two years back to back. I was 107 and 124% of quota. I earned X amount of money. Um, decided that I wanted to spearhead a new geography or a new team. So I got promoted to this and, um, here's what I did there as well. Like opened 10 new enterprise accounts in Germany or whatever that is. Right. Everything is like data linked pops off the page. Like you don't need a whole bunch of words to say that you just have bullet points of like, did this, this happened, did this, this happened, got promoted, did this. Um, when you see those, when you see lots of profiles and resumes, which we do, and you see a really concise, clear, like someone's been somewhere for five years and done like lots of like revenue linked achievements or business building achievements it is so utterly refreshing and clear that that person knows what they want. They know how to sell, they can sell themselves. And it's very easy for those people to do well and get lots of, get, get lots of, um, positive feedback or job offers but um there's a there's it's very rare a lot of people just very very bland wordy non-data driven uh, non-concise um you know pros and verse life stories um that's not what this is all about this is all about just think of it like a product specification or executive summary or a business plan like just bullet points that's really what your resume should say with like deal examples revenue examples that's what like hiring for sales is really about um and um so yeah i think like if you can just show the evidence again like customer references um is is another proof of success testimonials proof of success um renewals whatever it may be uh spell it out like get it written in a nice concise format so that you can just talk about it show it to people take it with you um you know just it's about preparation as well like we haven't really talked about that but like obviously going into finding a new job or thinking of a career change or company change if you prepare really well and like have your one pager ready to talk about like that that will stand you in very good stead but yeah like everybody wants winners um whether that's like a really good even if you're hiring like a more junior graduate marketing assistant like you want somebody that can show they're successful and capable and they're going to go off and like do as much as they can without having to take your time and energy. So if you can see evidence of that, whether it's through internships, side hustles, entrepreneurial endeavors, like all those things give you again, like the signal and the evidence of like, yeah, this somebody, this person is filling me with confidence that I'm going to work well with them and they are a winner. They want to go and like strive for success. Um, You know, that's, that's especially in sales and marketing. I think like, you, you know it's all about results so if you can talk about the results through your career um, you know you, you give yourself far better opportunity of 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 going into negotiations on a positive on a positive note not on the back foot
0: yeah I, I was I was gonna say for for marketing I've always said I've always recommended I've always told people that one of the first things you need to be doing when you start a new job is setting up a dashboard where month on month you are recording everything that you have done. So over the past six months, I know how many inbound leads have generated for the business. Those inbound leads have converted to this many demos of those demos. We have closed one, this amount and it, it, you know, 500K in pipeline, whatever you want to call it. But if you don't have that, you're just shooting yourself in your foot. And it, yeah. at any point in that three, four, five year tenure of that business, you're going to continuously have to sell yourself back to the business from time to time to show your worth right you've got okrs your quarterly monthly whatever so you're doing you should be doing the reporting anyway so it's it's there for you to use
1: yeah i mean that just helps everybody doesn't it like your investors can see what value you've brought to the table they can see like should we be doubling down here on certain marketing channels like you can go and ask for more budget when it comes to end of year review and you're asking for a raise or you're asking for a bonus you can sit there and don't you know sitting there saying oh, i've worked really hard and i've done really well just means absolutely nothing to business leader or an investor it's like show me the data or bring an exec summary with like again like actions results p um it, it cannot be argued with uh, unless you've got a really irrational delusional set of investors or business leader Mo- most are not most are like yeah we love these numbers um you've done a great job you've brought in a million of revenue, of course we're gonna pay you this bonus or of course we're gonna give you some sort of like increase and, and promotion. Um and it's probably just like for your own sanity, just tracking your efforts and the results and knowing it's you know, it's it's the same as tracking everything, like you know, physical output, calories, like all that stuff. If you do that, like you get a better shape. You track your business, the business is in better shape. Um and yeah, I think I think a lot of people don't invest in themselves enough to put themselves in a positive position for these kinds of conversations so uh, you know doing it as you go is great because if something does happen either like you you decide you cannot stay at your company or the worst happens you get laid off if you've got that whole personal dashboard as you call it or like your okrs or your tracking of your efforts and your results that then all of a sudden kind of becomes your CV or resume um, you know and it's just another way of of differentiating which is really important
0: yeah i think you know, I, I like the point you made there about the you know calories people who are into into fitness running cycling whatever it is people who have got that that mentality that mindset of you know recording things so they they can improve i think naturally though you know they're going to find this very very easy but okay so the same question we asked on the first one if you have not done any of that um, <laughs> for the past few years how can you show proof of uh, proof of success or how can you best position it uh to show success if you for some reason haven't been doing that
1: i mean there's two things here right one is if you haven't been successful be honest with yourself why not like are you in the wrong job Are you in the wrong wrong business wrong industry like there's a lot of people in tech at the moment who are in tech because it was become a cool thing to get into and talk about. Right. It's like, oh yeah, I'm in tech. Yeah. I'm, I'm software sales I'm customer success. And, you know, that's just true. Like it's become this thing. It's like, oh, great. You're in tech. Not so cool. Anymore. I've always thought life sciences and pharmaceuticals are pretty cool. Um, you know, people who, uh, generate like, uh, far more impactful things to the human race than software that makes allows you to save time and money but like that's kind of where we've ended up um you know i'm very interested in technology always have been uh and design and products um so therefore i think you know again it's like the honesty of like i'm gonna do what i'm more interested in because i'll put the time in i won't make excuses and i'll just get better at it lots of people need to like are you actually a salesperson can you sell can you what type of salesperson are you are you a a new business like hunter closer. Are you more of a channel and partnerships person that can build and develop relationships that way, or are you like a really nice, uh, polished, organized customer success type person? So there there's that to think about. So if you don't have successes, you've either been unlucky or you're in, or you've put yourself in the wrong situation, um, and you're not working hard enough, if you have successes and you just, you're not necessarily sure about how to like package them and discuss them, um, then. you you have to do a bit of diagnosis and go back through your career and look at like, okay, where, when was I feeling like I was doing the best? What happened then? You know, I I know for the most part, every single deal I've ever done, like, especially the more chunky uh, business like deals that I've closed. Um, And I think good salespeople are the same. Like they all know when they were successful, why, which deals they did with who, how they did those deals. Um, So I think you have to sort of like go back and just, start with something, which is putting pen to paper and like bullet point out, like what was, where, where do I feel like I've been the most successful or ask your peers, like, you know, would, when do you think, like, what do you think I'm best at? When was I most impactful, um, or former, former business leaders or bosses? Cause bosses tend to be pretty like former bosses as well. We'll be honest with you. So I think just like, if you haven't got the success to really say, yeah, like here's what I've done and here's what I'm valuable. And you've been in your career for like five, 10 years, then maybe, maybe it's time to be really honest with yourself and like treat this pivot or, uh, like fork in the road as a time to be true to yourself and really think about like, okay, do I want this journey to continue or is it time to change because how I measure success, I'm not feeling like I've really got those things to talk about. If you do, then you just have to, uh, like I said, document them, explain them convert like the wins into like numbers like we said like you know like action and outcome and the the numbers behind that like revenue percentages all the numbers behind the deals especially if we're talking about sales kind of come back to sales because that's what we're kind of focusing on um but yeah i think if you you can have the qualitative the quantitative proof of success and if you haven't been sort of taking note of that start doing it and if and and then maybe like even if you don't need a resume now and you're happy with your job do it anyway like you said like go and build out a list of wins and successes and things that you've probably not done so well because that's quite a healthy exercise and then become a bit mindful of like where you need to work on yourself
0: no been, and some of the bits you were talking about there in terms of, you know, finding uh, giving scores to stuff or attributing numbers to things. I think that leads us quite nicely into the next one, which is talking about impact, because I think impacts could potentially be it's it's kind of similar to evidence or proof of success, but I think impact to a business isn't necessarily just financial impact or, you know, fully data driven. It could be impact in terms of how what you bring to the table in terms of team building, in terms of management. So The next one we've got on the list is impact.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, if we we talk about like, you know, how people, I I think the last few years been very difficult for people, for some people, personality types, if they've been more remote to showcase impact. Um, and I kind of asked for it from my team all the time. I'm like, I don't want to be the one to say, Hey, let's do a meetup, play pickleball go for a happy hour like i don't want to do it um because i pickle, feel like uh, it...
0: p- pickle. what is pickleball
1: pickleball i think it's like paddle you have a padel is that blowing up in the uk kind of like it... short tennis it's short tennis. i was gonna say
0: there's sm- small tennis ra- s- small tennis rackets that are solid
1: yeah solid tennis Sh- right. like um racket ball, small rackets that are solid and like a plastic airflow ball yeah uh it's obscenely fun um we're obsessed with it it's kind of our thing so like once a month we hire a court for an hour or two and just play each other and, uh, actually thinking about, see, this is a good conduit into the conversation. We're thinking about, could we start like a corporate pickleball league in Austin? Cause it's mm. like for startups or technology companies. Um, cause you just can't get a court. That's the problem is they're always booked. Um, I think, yeah, it's, paddle or paddle has been growing hugely in the UK. Pickleball the fastest growing sport in the us. Um, it's just, it's just it's basically like everyone likes tennis but tennis is very difficult yeah. and you have to be very skillful pickleball you can be an absolute disaster and it's still fun so so then um, i
0: think this is an interesting one because when you when we probably started and said how like impact to the business pro- people probably weren't thinking you know are you the person that sets up a running club at work a book club at work are you the person that uh, is on the wellness committee at work correct. which is actually you think it's things people will probably think, oh, that's not really relevant. It's not, it's not going to show me as a, a valuable asset.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's, it's massive. Like, you know, we're pretty much distributed at the moment, our scout, like we were in an office last year. We, we did more and more days working from home. We meet up at the, we work once, twice a week for certain meetings, or if people want to go in, they can, um, it's working very well, but like, what does culture mean? You know, if you're sat on Slack and zoom, um, culture's changed. Like, you know, I think everyone cringes a little now when they see, you know, culture is like, oh, we're all in the office and high five when deals get done. Like that, that can exist and I like it, but it's, it's not where we're at at the moment, but we will meet up at pickleball court, like have a few, like have beers if you want to have beers, if not, no worries, but we do like a three to five pickleball, two hours. Um, and it's like, everybody loves it because you don't have to play you can just sit and chat, watch, like, listen to music because there's, like, music on the place we go. Um, and, yeah, like, that's huge because it starts to define. It's a release valve. It's, um, you know, you can give pats on the back. You can uh, just, just like, see each other in a different context, which is kind of the bit that's kind of got lost sometimes with being distributed. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I started it, but now it's, like, everyone else is, like, oh, hey, when we're we doing it again and, um, you know, I think a lot of companies don't have anything like that. And and what you've got to do is overcome this. Uh, I think the British, the British thing is the cringe kind of, oh no, someone's trying to do this. Like, oh, I've got to go to that. And nine times out of 10, when most people go to anything like that, they go, oh that was really good. It's just, we get lazy, right? And we're like, oh, I've got to bring a bag of kit or I've, oh, I've got to get the, I've got to get an Uber over there and it's normal way home. Like everyone's got excuses to not do stuff. And that's fine. Like, you know, LinkedIn has created this, uh, you know, you've got to make sure you please everybody. You cannot fucking please everybody. It's impossible. Like I have tried and I've given up. What we do now is we say, do what you want. Like if you want to come, that's cool. We won't hold it against you if you don't. If you, you know, if someone wants to have a beer, we're not going to frown at it. If you want to have a soda water or Coca-Cola, that's fine. Like I think everyone's very accepting of we all want different things out of life um but then you also you also by trying to not do stuff to include everybody you you make it pretty boring for the majority who are like yeah i'd love to go and play pickleball i'd love to go to a happy hour um so you know or office beers like you know i can see your office in the background i'm like oh yeah i kind of do miss bits of being in the office where on the thursday you know you have a refrigerator of beers and you have a beer like it's just different when you're at home or or in a we work so um, if you can, you know, yes, if you're great at selling and you're valuable that way, it doesn't mean you're the perfect corporate citizen either, by the way. Like if you're a, an a-hole or you just don't get involved at all. Um, but you also don't need everybody to be bringing these social ideas to the business. So if you're, if you're good at closing, run a closing workshop and train people on closing. Yeah. Like, like I'm a good at closing. I train my team on closing. Here's how to close better. Here's how to manage a process to have a more predictable close. Um, other people are like Jake who works for us is insanely organized, irritatingly organized. So he's in charge of forecasting, data, CRM, uh, workflows, processes. He loves it. I love it because it's like, it's in the best hands. Um, and so everyone's got something like that. Emily, who's one of our talent partners, she's not long out of college. Like She joined us as an intern. She's been with us a year and a half. She's incredibly good she uh just off her own back set up like this new email sequence for uh candidates that weren't engaged from who dropped off and it was really really powerful we got a new client as a result of it like so that everyone's got a skill or a thing that they can own that makes the business like that magnifies the business so impact isn't is yes it's about doing your do your job very well that's the basics right that's what you're there to get paid for if you want to like grow and like build the equity of the business and add to culture and drive what culture means in your, in your uh, business. And we talked a little bit about this the other day, like really there's only one thing culture is and that's in business is like performance. Like how do you improve the performance? But there's lots of things that support really good performance. Um, So yeah, just do something like pick one small thing, whether it's training or prospect emails or uh, you know, pickleball, run club, book club, like do a business book critique whatever it is do something and test the water and if it, if it falls flat then then fine just you know it didn't land try it again or do something different but just, i would say like if you really care about where you work and you love it and you want to stick around do something like your founders and your leaders will love you for it
0: i was going to say it's, it's <coughs> very well very well timed because we we set up Selligence yoga which is once a month we've got one of one of one uh, my partner's friends actually uh, is a yoga instructor so cool. we've got her coming into the business and we do it in the boardroom uh which is yeah. quite funny we get get rid of all the tables we do yoga um and i myself am just getting into running i'm into the gym right. massively so i've been doing it for 10 years but i want to i want to try running get outdoors uh, just to yeah. improve my general fitness so i'm going to be setting up a run, running club at work so once a week on lunch bring your kit in go for a run we've got a shower. Like, yes. you know, if you want to shower after, fine, whatever. But we're going to go for a run around the park because we are literally by Cardiff Castle in the park. Yeah. We're beautiful. going to do um, Seligent's book club because I finish a book, and Lewis, who's sitting next to me, he's reading the second book that I've given him now. And we're yeah. just going to set up a team channel and swap books and stuff because we want to get people into the office more. We want to get people enjoying like the outdoors whilst at office more uh whilst at the office so yeah it's it's, weirdly timed this conversation that we're sort of you know working on all of that um yeah i mean like
1: like well just to say on that like it's great you're doing that because you know so there's in austin for six months of the year it's um it's brutally hot so like we can't go for a run necessarily in the middle of the day so it's like okay can we do some stuff in the morning or you know uh go onto the river and do some stand up paddle boarding or something like that like it, it you know there's there's stuff sometimes the team like I haven't done this, but they met up on a Saturday and gone paddle boarding together, which is nice like um love to see it um but like if you can say to people look like if by coming back into the office and you want people in the office more you not change your desk all day and let's use the daylight hours to go for a run and then that makes everybody more productive in the afternoon like I think that's the great thing about the change in the world like when i graduated um if i had tried i don't even think we got full lunch hour or um you know it's like if you weren't back at one o'clock you were like again spoken to so going to the gym was problematic because if you like gym shower back and you you push for time so i think like companies have just got to be you know really under, really thinking about what they want their culture or what supports their culture uh, development um so yeah all those things you're doing are really really good i think like whoever owns and leads those things like they're resume builders they're things that you should talk yeah. about that they won't necessarily get you the job but they might get you the job over somebody else or they might they might sort of subliminally help the decision makers think this is a doer this is somebody that's like cares about their the world around them
0: yeah, it's that more personal, more relatable angle. You know, they 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 can see that you're gonna get on well with people, or you're gonna make people more communicative in work. You know, bring yeah. people together. Okay, so we've done non-jumpy evidence of promotion or success, impact, and our fourth is logos slash legitimate businesses. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I mean, there's people that there's companies that. I think that that may have disappeared now. Like it was definitely like, you know, the seduction of somebody that's worked at big, big tech companies like Amazon, you know, Amazon, Facebook, like the Fang, Fang stocks.
0: Yeah, X Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The LinkedIn, LinkedIn profile.
1: Yeah. X, X Google, X LinkedIn, X Microsoft. Um, I, th- I actually think nobody really cares anymore. Like a lot of our clients are like, I want someone who is from like a seed series A or series A, series B, series C, like, did more with less, um, the, the, the legitimate business piece obviously is key. It's like, okay, where are you at? Like a four person company that stayed a four person company for years, like a small family run business. Like maybe that's not going to be the pace of what we're about in a startup where we're very growth oriented. We're trying to change things. There's lots of uncertainty. We have to change direction quite a lot, which is really annoying for some people. Um, you know, and that's just the way it is in startup land as you're figuring things out. Um, But yeah, I think if I use the word, the word I want to say here is like, it's not about necessarily not being jumpy. It is about showing grit. It is not about working for Google or Amazon. That can help as part of your portfolio of your career, potentially. Like if you, the ideal is both actually, like the the thing that our customers love is when somebody has been at Google, Microsoft, Facebook for a few years, gone to a successful startup and shown they can do both. And then that's like the holy grail of like, yeah, that, that person's got like the scale where they can manage people, metrics, stakeholders, and they don't just get to have their way all the time. And then they've got into startup land and been successful with minimal resource. And so it's like, yeah, that person's versatile as well. Like that's, that's what you probably want. If you want the perfect resume, big company and startup or mid market and small. That combination is very, very attractive to people because it shows the versatility or adaptability.
0: And it, worst... it fits in with that. That it fits in with that sort of career strategy as well, don't we? in, in terms of that non-jumpy and the more considered approach in terms of building your career, with the ultimate goal of reaching somewhere. If, you know, if you know the sorts of industries you want to work in or you know the skills that need developing the areas that you know nothing about and you want to develop then you'll move to a logo or a company that can help you build that skill right so it like you said it's it's not necessarily that it's you know google microsoft will be it that's great but if you learn a new form of marketing let's just say that you didn't know before you spent three years doing it and now you're more of a multi-channel t-shaped marketer uh, and you worked for a reputable company then that's then that's a good thing
1: yeah it's amazing like um yeah the the, the word i would say that i look f- for people or our client i think our clients really look for is like robust candidates robust talent so robust means you've got a backbone you know what you want you know how to get it you can take feedback well you're going to stick around through the shitty times you're going to stick around and you know you're not just going to take the wins and bounce you're going to like ride out the good and the bad Um, You're robust, you're consistent. You're just a calm, cool, calm operator. Um, I'll go back to Jake, like I approached Jake. He was working for Abercrombie & Fitch in Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. Um, I liked his profile. He'd worked in product merchandising, marketing. He'd managed big budgets. Uh, He was very thorough, he was very organized. He was very programmatic. Is um, robust, he's just a robust guy. Like, And I got all that from the profile. It backed up in the interview process and meetings um, with his follow-up, his work, his language, his demeanor. Um, and he's been an absolute 10 out of 10 hire, like one of the best hires I, I have ever made um, because he showed through the story, through the resume and through his conduct and the follow-up that he's robust um, because kind of needs to be working with, with what we're doing. Like it's very... You know, like I said, startup land, new business, it's, it, it's, it's hectic. Um, so yeah, I think like, don't worry about, don't assess, really don't obsess over going to a massive well-known brand, but do, do think about what that logo means for your resume and then what you do with it? And then what do the logos mean to get pieced together? Like, um, one of the, one of my friends from hired, I won't say her name or where she, where she went, but like her resume and profile reads really, really well, like she went to a really good college a uni. She worked in a really good search firm. She worked at Hired with me. She's gone on to another like marketplace um, talent business. Great career trajectory, really smart, really robust, just like an an incredible talent. So, you know, piecing things together, you've got to be strategic about it. And you've got to be diligent about like when you make moves and how you make moves um, in terms of like your, your career options.
0: Okay, brilliant. So the last one we've got on the list, I guess it kind of, it kind of links to that um, number three that we touched on, but it's self-investment. So this is, yeah. this is the, uh, this is the going over and above to, to develop.
1: Yeah. And you know, like <laughs> I, I need a coach. I know that I need a business coach. Um, can't afford one just yet. I have um, my investor and business partner is kind of a friend of mine, but, you know, we become friends through business. Um, He has a coach, all the best athletes, the people at the very pinnacle of every sport all have multiple coaches. And it's it's fairly astonishing to me that lots of executives, founders, and business people actually just don't have um, coaches, um, or mentors, right, you don't need a coach necessarily, you might need a mentor and advisor. Um, And so I think, If everybody thinks of themselves if you care a lot about your career and the outcomes of your career and you know like you've worked really hard at school you've gone to uni and worked hard enough to get your degree or very hard and then you start a company or you're trying to like move through to do better out of life whatever that means for you like more freedom more money more time more learning um don't dabble in it like go all in like don't you know I think I don't don't you can dabble in self-improvement like you can make incremental changes but you can also make drastic changes um you know for me it's like if I don't do two three days a week from home working on really important stuff without getting interrupted and managing my time well things fall apart for me um because I get pulled into conversations and meetings and discussions because that's because we're small being at home allows me to control my time better um and own it and manage it more effectively. Um so I think like that was a big thing I found over the last couple of years was like I need two, three days a week at home. Like it, it's really important to me to make sure the business is running more smoothly. Um, but yeah, whatever the thing is, right? Like I said, if you if you if you're great at building pipeline but you're not converting, get some help on closing. Um, as a salesperson, if you're not particularly patient and you're not good at training people, bring in a trainer to, to train your team if you don't have that capability like but if you can try to learn how to be better at training like maybe train one-to-one maybe train in smaller groups like figure it out um i think i think everybody's got you can spend too long on your weaknesses and i think you know doubling down on strengths is is essential but even those strengths could become superpowers if you amplify them and scale them out um so like yeah whatever it is that you need to do to be better, like try and identify it or talk to somebody that can help you identify it. Um, I've started reading fiction again every night before bed or trying to because it helps me to disconnect and sleep better. And I don't have weird dreams about <laughs> about work. Um, so I have started making sure that like I'm trying to do 30, 40 minutes of fiction reading each night just to sort of disconnect more healthily. And that for me is a big piece of self-improvement.
0: Yeah, it's weird because I've, um, for, you might have seen on my LinkedIn, but at the start of the new year, I set myself a goal of reading more days than I don't. Um, so yeah. four days out of seven is the, is, is the minimum. And I have a little notepad next to my bed where I just tally down the number of days that I've, I've read that week. And the reason for is because I, I knew I enjoyed reading and I knew I slept a lot better when I read. Yeah. I just got into this weird habit of being like, ah, oh, it's 30 minutes that I'd rather spend doing something else. But when I, I was flicks. getting, yeah, and I was, I was, I was sleeping worse. I was thinking about work, like just before I literally lie down and it would be like notification bells, just like bing, bing, bing in my head about yeah. work. Whereas yeah. reading the book for 30 minutes, as you said, you disconnect, which, which helps massively with everything else. But I think, I think traditionally people probably think when they talk about self or when they talk about self-investment or I'm not great at that, and need to get better. They would almost see that as a negative because they're not good at something but i i would respect more have more respect for someone who identifies a, a problem area and has a fix for it has a solution to get better that is, that is more attractive than someone who's like now nah, i'm great at everything i'm great i don't need any development
1: yeah i mean you, you, that is a massive red flag and you're just like okay well clearly you haven't pushed yourself out of comfort zone ever because nobody who's successful has never failed like everyone has failed at, at something cause they've been striving. So um, I think that's really what it is. Like self-investment to me is like if you're a candidate, let's say you're a candidate and you're thinking of making a move or you need a job. So you, your self-investment is, Oh, like, Oh, I haven't got around to doing my resume or, Oh, it's not very good. Is it like my resume is not amazing. It's like, what are you talking about? Like Google the perfect 10 resumes or find a resume tool. Like there's amazing things on, on Uh, out there that can like show you a perfect template you just literally drop in your points like even on like Macs and pcs there's templates are okay but there's amazing ones on if you just google um set goals like what are your goals for if you join x type of company like what would you want to get out of that now look like you know it's obvious that we all know this from the last year you can make plans and then something happens right you get smacked in the face with a layoff um, that shouldn't change your long-term goal. Like that should just, if you know you're on the right track anyway, it's a bump in the road, but I think the self-investment thing is, yeah, it does the res is the resume as good as it can be Is your LinkedIn profile, as good as it can be is your headshot, like showcasing you in the right way. Um, you know, does social media all tie in like, should that be cleaned up or shut down? Do you have a personal website? Um, do you have case studies? Do you have customer testimonials? you know, have you, got, have you got two hours a week to volunteer for a startup and help them build a sales playbook? Like that could be something you could try doing. That's going to add another talking point to your resume that, that will make you attractive. It's like, yeah, I took time out to help these guys. They raised 500 grand. Um, they're trying to get some initial customers. So I built them a plan and this is what I, I've done it for free. Like, you know, you don't have to make yourself a charity, but just, I, I think you cannot underestimate the numbers of people out there looking for jobs it's so easy to apply for jobs if you're applying for a job you're probably one one for sales as well you're probably that job has been live for a week you could be one in 500 people so how do you cut through and if you can't self-invest to cut through then don't even bother would be my point just 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 hang up the gloves and like you know, just resign yourself to a life of mediocrity, which is probably not why you got into sales in the first place. So, um, you know, treat yourself like a business is what I'd say. And like work on it every day and look at every factor that's happening, every kind of like uh, pillar of that business and optimize it continuously. And that's when you'll like multiply your success factors.
0: I I, I agree completely. I think um I've already my Q1 goal was the reading. My Q2 goal is the running and the both of those are, I've basically dropped in to try and help me disconnect a bit because I have a tendency to overwork. And when I then get home and sit on the sofa, I continue working Um, whether that just be research, watching videos, listening to a podcast, but it's still work. So, I am, i'm trying to develop ways that i can switch off which should in in theory help me focus more when i am at work and you know hopefully i'll be a little bit less tired or whatever but no that that brings us to the end of the the five key topics that we or five key sort of parts of the resume um so we'll just recap quickly so number one was non-jumpy the durability in role so showing that you can stick it out through thick and thin uh i think we said that the optimal um, in the last five years is that you would want somewhere in the realms of three to five years out of the last five years spent uh, spent at one company. Uh, number two was evidence of promotional success. We spoke a lot about from day one, really, you should be documenting that success anyway, because it's going to help you in your day to day. It's going to help you get promotions. It's going to help you, you know, build a better, I guess, foundation in that, that role, which is ultimately going to help you in the long term. Number three um, was how you can show impact. And uh, interestingly, we sort of spoke about the ways that you can show impact outside of data. You talked about pickleball, which was something new to me. Um, But whether that's a a running club, a book club, a yoga session, or like you said, it could be additional training that you're offering back to the business. You know, How can you show impact to that business that isn't necessarily directly associated with uh, a revenue figure or an inbound lead figure? Um, Number four was logos. And it wasn't necessarily that those logos had to be very recognizable or very large companies, but they had to show a consideration that you had a overall strategy in terms of your career. You had a reason for going to that logo, not just because you got a job. It was the first one you got or because one of your mates worked there or something. It was a considered approach to the logos. And number five, which we've just sort of finished up, is the self-investment. So anything and everything to to better yourself. So I think that's been a, an a, a, awesome 45 50 minute chat on you know what people are looking for what companies are looking for in terms of that perfect resume um, so thank you for joining I think we've already sort of mentioned that we might do another episode which is the next step naturally which is the actual interview process so how you can position yourself how can you sell yourself in the interview to give you the best odds but but no thank you for the last uh, 4550 minutes I've certainly looked a lot and it's making me think in the back of my head should I should I uh, come to thinking about a new opportunity, what I will be doing uh, with my uh, CV or resume. So uh, no, very much appreciated.
1: No, like, all good. Like, I hope, hope it helps. Um, you know, we're all a work in progress. Um, I think it's kind of like my take on on life after the last few years. And, um, you know, we're never finished. We're never perfect. But like, it's that kind of, um, it's that kind of like intention to, improve daily to basically what makes the biggest impact i think with people so yeah would love to talk more and um hopefully it's helped
0: brilliant well uh for those that are listening in or watching i hope you've enjoyed the episode uh tune in for the next episode next week but uh thank you for joining